a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, we've been saying for a little bit that uh, all eyes on winter as it relates to Ukraine and Russia. Of course, it's going to be particularly challenging for the Ukrainian people as they continue to stalwartly defend their country from the invading Russian army. Uh, It's also interesting to think through, though, that this winter may be even a little darker time for Russia and for Vladimir Putin himself. There's compounding political challenges, both external and internal, stacked on top of consistent military defeats against Ukraine. Uh, None of that bodes super well uh, if you're the Russian leader. Uh, So what are the challenges? Uh, What does the dark winter look like for Vladimir Putin and for Russia And uh, to help us uh, break all of that down, uh, Colonel Jonathan Sweet is a retired Army colonel. He served 30 years as a military intelligence officer. His background includes tours of duty with the 101st Airborne Division and the Intelligence and Security Command. And uh, Colonel Sweet, we appreciate your service. Why don't we appreciate your perspective? A great piece in The Hill today about Putin's darkening shadows. Uh, Give us the lay of the land. We've been saying that winter is going to be a crucial season uh, in this battle, and uh, what is it stacking up to be? Hey, Gordon. Well, first, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, Mark Toth and I, who uh, who also uh, shared and writing an article with me, I spent a little bit of time looking at uh, the, the Putin winter factor. This is you know, one of the second articles we, we discussed about winter. The first was uh, along the lines of Putin winterizing yeah. a winter as a uh, weaponizing winter as a weapon, but now it's. Uh, we turn a little bit to the uh, to the, really the second third order effects of everything you just said, the excessive failures that he's had, the uh, the pressure that he's getting internally, uh, both from no bloggers, you know, show hosts, oligarchs. Uh, he's, getting, he's getting leaned on a little bit uh, from the president there in, in China, reference uh, nuclear weapons. Getting some internal strife from some of the outlying republics, uh, questioning why they're. Uh, or their citizens are, are, are taking the casualties uh, and, and, and what's the gain from it. So he, he's dug himself into a bit of a hole, and uh, he's really looking for an out. Um, and it'd just be interesting to see uh, him deliver for him. Yeah, and so let's dig into some of those. Uh, you, you mentioned a string of things that I think are all we could spend an hour on each of them individually. But let's start with uh, let's start with China and President Xi uh, clearly sending a signal in terms of the use of of uh, nuclear weapons. Uh, obviously, we know that uh, President Xi and President Biden are going to meet on Monday next week uh, at the at the G20. Uh, Vladimir Putin's not going to join that live. 
what's your sense as it relates to the China factor uh, in this dark winter for Vladimir Putin? I think uh, China recognizes the and sort of break, I think break's a strong word, break of, of the nuclear escalation. I think China recognizes that it, 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 that really is a no-win situation for either side. And certainly not for China either, that would be significantly impacted, uh, not necessarily by fallout, but I mean, nuclear fallout, but by economic fallout repercussions. It's also interesting that China is you know, putting that message out while uh, their, their neighbor there in North Korea is firing nuclear-capable missiles you know, over South Korea and Japan. So it's, it's, it's somewhat of a mixed message, but uh, China clearly does not want this to escalate into a nuclear confrontation. And, uh, and, and sending out those messages, I do think that uh, President Putin has, has, has taken some heed to it. Uh, he still likes to use that as his, uh, as his heavy counter. That's still yeah. his fallback for, if I don't get my way, I'm going to do this. But I think even he's starting to recognize it's losing a little bit of its um, – uh, the, the scare tactic, the West, for the most part, is, is acknowledged now at the nine months almost. That right. A lot of talk, but they haven't seen anything other than the talk. We haven't seen a stand-up of the nuclear force. We haven't seen the presence of soldiers wearing gas masks. We haven't seen uh, decontamination vehicles moving in towards certain areas. So uh, the indicators that we would normally associate with uh, a, a, a weapon of mass destruction we're just not seeing on the ground. So I, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a balance there. I don't really think that Putin actually wants to use a nuclear weapon, but I think he's always used that as a as a threat. He's always kind of gotten his way with that. Yeah. And I think he's a little bit surprised that it's not working. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, yeah, definitely the uh, saber rattle of choice, I think, for Vladimir Putin has, has been that. I want to <laughs> I want to dig into uh, something that... Uh, uh, that you that you and Mark pointed out in your piece today, and that is some of the internal dynamics, and even some of these uh, oligarchs and some of these uh, insider guys uh, that are now suddenly kind of creating their own little power base uh, or power structures, sort of a just in case uh, Vladimir Putin doesn't make it, uh, they want to be positioned uh, to be the next person in charge. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Particularly uh, the head of the uh, the Wagner group. Uh, he, you know, he's he's uh, he's he's taking the lead a bit, but I think the lead's kind of thrust on him also. Uh, it's for a number of reasons. One, you know, he, he's a fairly wealthy man. He, he owns one of the top mercenary groups in the world, uh, but at the same time, militarily on the ground, it's his forces really have been the only forces that have had any semblance of success on the ground. So, in a sense, he has delivered. Uh, unlike Putin's armed forces, which mm. right now is, is open three, they've not delivered in Kiev, they've not delivered in Donbass, and they're failing to deliver in Kherson right now. And he has provided some, so he has been able to garner some support from the old, some of the oligarchs. He also been able to garner support here from the mill bloggers, but also from the TV shows that want to do more. It, it's just it, the dynamics are interesting as, as you watch people start to turn. Just a little bit against Putin, but not enough to upset Putin for him to put the, to put them away. 
but just enough to energize Putin. In some cases, I think it even gives Putin some space uh, to operate or some space uh, in order to spread out, I would say, the failure amongst other folks. But uh, yeah. no, internally, uh, he does have a lot to look, look out for. And uh, we like to talk about the open window concept in Russia. A number of oligarchs have fallen out of these open windows, and there may be a few more that are getting ready to come open if we see more failure, yeah. uh, particularly in Donbass if they're shown. Yeah, uh, fascinating stuff. And then finally, before I let you go, Colonel, uh, looking at um, the winter, obviously it, everything kind of becomes a slog. As you said, it might be a nice pause uh, for Vladimir Putin to, to regroup a little bit. Uh, General Mark Milley, uh, you pointed out, uh, said he thinks that uh, winter could be an opportunity for some possible negotiations toward peace. Uh, we know historically it's been, uh, in Europe anyway, that uh, when you get to the the uh, bargaining table, you sort of get to keep what you've got. Uh, and having the recent announcement in the last 24 hours of uh, Russia withdrawing from some of those key regions, uh, does this set up something where maybe uh, – President Zelensky in Ukraine says, okay, we can talk on this basis? In, 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 in a way, I think the, answer, the short answer is yes. But the longer answer is that even in the last, uh, the last comment uh, that Zelensky had, he's open to negotiation, but his position is still the same. Yes. He wants Russian forces out. He wants reparations. And he wants to return to the, uh, to the boundaries of 2000, uh, 2009. So that doesn't, give, that doesn't give Putin any wiggle room. And in a sense, he loses publicly. Uh, he has to pay back uh, Ukraine for all the damage that he's done, um, and it's just a, I, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, what I'd be more concerned about right now, is, as we see forces withdrawn from concern, is, is is where they withdraw into. But more important, what aren't we seeing? Mm. You know, all eyes are on concern. Everyone's looking there. Everyone's watching the forces come from the right bank to the left bank. They're watching forces in, in the Donbass, but where are we not watching? Where are we seeing this influx of 300,000 conscripts? I mean, we, I think the last number I saw was maybe 80-plus thousand had been working their way into, into Russia, but where are they? You know, are we seeing the second and third you know, defensive belts being positioned you know, on the left bank and closer down towards uh, the bridges that cross over to uh, Crimea? Crimea is key terrain. It's strategic terrain. And something that I just I don't think that he's going to give up, and uh, he he's going to he's going to fight, and he's yeah. going to try to hold that, and eventually Ukraine's going to going to make a move to it. But I'd also be I'd also be concerned about where we're not looking. Yeah. We're all looking south, but no one's looking to the north. And there's a lot of activity going on. The Joint Military Command that was formed in Belarus, uh, upwards to we believe about sixty five thousand Belarusian troops, augmented by about fifteen thousand Russian troops. Mm. that are in the areas along the border. What they're doing, they, they allege are defending against a possible invasion of, of Belarus. But I think that's out of the question. I don't think Zelensky has any intent to invade Belarus. Right. Uh, so you can't keep your eye off of the ball. Yeah. You've got to be looking everywhere. So he's got his focus in one area. That's yeah. On that area. But we can't we cannot lose sight of what's going on in Belarus. Yeah, so critical, uh, and that's why we have inside sources because we often focus where the shiny object is, and it's often what we're not seeing uh, that is where we really should be focused. Uh, great insight, uh, Jonathan Sweet, retired Army Colonel, military intelligence officer. Great perspective, great piece in the Hill today, and I appreciate you joining the show. 
Well, thanks very much. I look forward to uh, you having me, the Mark I back on your show later. Thank Will you. Will do. Awesome. Uh, great insight there. Again, what Vladimir Putin is doing in terms of weaponizing winter uh, is a big piece of the puzzle. And then what aren't we seeing, especially with these 300,000 conscripts? Where are they going? Where are they going to fight? Uh, we'll continue to track that. We'll step aside for a quick commercial break. More Inside Sources coming up next on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.